Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories. It's me, Shannon. Our guest today has been a near constant at Marathon Swim Stories since it began back in May. Today we finally get to hear her story. Bridget thought the ocean was for playing in and didn't get into open water swimming until later in life as a mom. She set her sights on a charity swim across the width of Lake Champlain, strategically increasing her distance from two to four, and then completed the eight-mile shore-to-shore Lake Champlain swim. She quickly realized that even though she wasn't fast, she could swim forever. Commonly distracted by the beauty of being out in the middle of a gorgeous lake, Bridget loves swimming at all times of the day and night, and commonly swims solo. Shortly after getting disqualified for missing the time cutoff in the Lake George Open Water Swim 10K at Hague, she set her sights on completing the 36-mile length of the lake. I'll let Bridget tell the story. Enjoy. All right. Well, it's five after, and Bridget's our guest today. That's why she did her hair, I think, and put on a necklace and looks lovely. <laughs> it's actually brushed. I did not cut my hair. No. It's just, it's actually just back. I just, it's usually, it's got that poof look. Yes, I love it. You look lovely. Swimmer scary hair. <laughs> Thank you for being our guest today. Why don't we hey, um, jump into so it? Yeah, tell us your tell us your story. What's your story, Bridget? Yeah, here. Um, I can't hear you, go guys. As oh, well, Diane, are you okay? Oh, <laughs> Diane's getting her her earbuds, and I'm a little, little concerned her. there. Um, I am uh, perhaps not the typical uh, evolution of the marathon swimmer. I did not come up through the age group swim programs. Uh, I was on a really awful swim team in high school for one semester. Um, I think it was the only time I wasn't picked last in gym class. So that was exciting, even though we were really, really bad. Um, And I didn't get into serious open water swimming. I mean, we would swim at lakes and the ocean and stuff for vacation, and that was always great. But I figured the ocean was what you played in, you know, waves and all that, and it was fun, Um, digging in the sand. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I know, is there a typical marathon? No, I really don't think so. Um, (laughs) But uh, I, I was up visiting my family. I was living in Maryland and visiting New York State, where I mostly grew up and saw an ad in, in the Burlington paper. They, had, they were doing an article that weekend about swims going either from New York state to Vermont or from Hero Island to Vermont for two different charities. And they were both significant to me. So I thought, wait a second, people are swimming across the lake without getting run over by boats. This could be fun. So I'd been lifeguarding and teaching swimming for years So I had access to pools back in Maryland. So I started training and the following summer in 1999, I did three event swims, a two mile, a four mile and a river. And then the the shore to shore Lake Champlain, eight mile. Um, Unfortunately for that, for official purposes, I was under the influence of triathletes down in Maryland who were very sure I could not survive eight miles without a wetsuit. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, I broke down and got a wetsuit, uh, assisted by my two sons at the time. Um, we went to a really fancy bike shop in, in Virginia, and my sons were then kindergarten and well before pre-K, and they were helping in their own special way. So not, not what you really want when you're trying to have salespeople help pour you into a wetsuit to see if it fits. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so, but I really, I enjoyed the open water that summer and 
by the end of the summer, I'd kind of gotten a feel for it. I can still picture the first open water swimmer. I'm like, okay, this is, di this is different. This is very, the, the, the water's kind of brown and glowing, but by the end of the two miles, I was okay. Um, and by the end of the summer, I was all set. And the problem I ran into was where I lived, if you wanted to do open water, it had to be an event. There was no place. You know, there was, I mean, I could have gone to the Chesapeake, but that was, a, that was a bit of a commute with kids and everything. So basically it was pool swimming, pool swimming, pool swimming, and the occasional, yay, I get to be in open water. Um, so I was like hunting out the open water <laughs> for a few years and, and managed to find a few really cool swims. Um, I did my first official marathon swim, 7.5 in the Potomac. That was really cool. Um, there were jellyfish. I lived to tell the tale. Um, and I, I really, it was, it was one of those swims where everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, they, they had matched us up with support crew. So I had kayakers who were going to help me and it was going to be great, but they spent the morning in the ER and I never saw them. Um, <laughs> I, I know. So, <laughs> so I went, I got on the boats that shuttled us across to Virginia and, you know, got organized with somebody who I'd swum with before and met in Lake Champlain and, and in the Chester River in Maryland. And he's like, well, you can swim with me and, and my friend. We're about the same speed. It'll be great. Where's your food? So they go, okay, I'll put my food in his kayak. It'll be great. And I never saw him again after he confirmed that I did not have a jellyfish on my face <laughs> at the very beginning. I was like, and you know, you've got goggles on. Has anyone ever had a jellyfish on your face? I mean, it's yuck. So and you've got your goggles on and you're still not willing to look because there could be something there. So, <laughs> but we, we made it across and, and he apparently took a detour through DC or something. So he was <laughs> for hours. Um, but I ended up with a different crew who came along and said, okay, there's land. Keep going. We're going to find your food. And they didn't find all my food. So seven and a half miles swim. And, and I've got like a power bar, but I was okay because I'm not a power swimmer. I'm not, you know, the person I had on boat crew had been a channel swimmer and he did the safety briefing the night before. And he was really adamant every 30 minutes, you've got to take nutrition. And there I am with like a power bar and a bottle of water. And he's like, were you going to do this? And I was like, you lost my food. It's not my fault. Yeah. I'm doing okay now. <laughs> but, and it worked out. It worked out great. I had a wonderful swim. I had a fabulous time. And, um, you know, it, it worked out. And I just, if I had been a hardcore power fast swimmer, yeah, I would have needed more nutrition, but I was just having a great swim. So I had fun. Um, I used to think that it was stopping for nutrition was like, it's like, that'll slow me down. It took me a long time. To well, it does. <laughs> I'm slow enough already, you know, and, and I tend to train places where, you know, if you train at the time, especially in a pool, you're not supposed to eat on the pool deck. So I kind of <laughs> got used to just going and spending a few hours there not doing anything. So I knew I was going to, I was going to live to tell the tale. Right. Um, so, so that was one wacky swim where things went horribly wrong, but ended up well. Um, St. Croix was a pivotal swim for me. That was another one of those, oh, look, there's open water. I must, I must go. When was this? <laughs> so you this was in 1999. I, I first swam in 99. So the following year, 90, 2000, I guess it was, um, I went down in, in October and, and did the coral reef swim down there. And, oh, it was stunning. And it was so stunning that I got so distracted looking at all the really cool stuff on the bottom that I went way off course. <laughs> and I saw a channel marker that was only seen by one other swimmer. And, you know, we were supposed to swim from Buck Island to St. Croix and then take, take a hard right at the sailboat and go back down to the, to the host hotel. 
and life was good, right? But by the time I saw the sailboat, I was just going straight. I had gone so far off. I was just lost at sea for the first time. And I'm like, well, I can see land. I must be okay. So that was kind of empowering. Um, so that big fun, but gorgeous scenery, very easily distracted. You know, I saw a gigantic sea turtle and I passed him. So I felt really fast. Um, <laughs> and he was really cute. Um, but, uh, you know, so I, I managed to find these really cool swims, but during that swim, I thought, well, okay, I have to do the Chesapeake now because at least then it's marked, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the yeah. world's biggest lane line, right? You know, you, yeah. you stay between the spans of the bridges and you're going to be safe. And it was so funny because I'm standing on the shore waiting for the start. And I was talking to the woman next to me. I said, I've been looking forward to this since I was in St. Croix last fall and I got lost. And she's like, I got lost too. <laughs> so it's like, figure the odds. I'm not the only one going like way off and against the current. So, I mean, I must be a strong swimmer if I'm going against the current by accident. So we, we, we managed to swim the Chesapeake and it was fabulous. I really love that swim. And if you ever get a chance to do it and the lottery lets you, life is really, really good in the Chesapeake. And then they have a pumper truck, a fire truck to hose you off, which my boys thought was just the coolest thing ever. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I relocated to New York State in 2007. And for several years, I would teach for the Youth Commission, maybe six, six Saturdays in the fall and then again in the spring. And that was my pool time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with my daughter getting up in the night, not getting any sleep. The nearest pool is 15 minutes away. And, you know, there was just nothing going on. So I basically swam in the summers in the lake when I could. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That's all I had. And it was enough. It got me going. And by the time I bought my house in 2014 and spent the summer working on it and, and getting into Lake George for like the first time ever, who knew? Um, you know, by the next summer, I was ready for action. And I started going to the beach and went back and forth and back and forth. In the, in the roped off section, like a good little swimmer <laughs> and, and started doing a few more events during the summer. And that was really, really exciting. Um, swimming like at the Statue of Liberty for Shark Fest, which is not a marathon swim, but it's the Statue of Liberty. So really, what, what are you going to do? Right. right. Um, and, uh, and, and it was just there's just no view of the statue, like being right in the water, staring. And we were all the same way. A hundred of us jumping off a ferry and going gaga for the Statue of Liberty. Like, oh, my gosh, look where we are. And it was just so cool. Um, best vantage point ever. Um, but I, be, I was picking up miles in the lake. And it was so funny because, you know, this is my lap counter. And I know everybody has all these GPSs and things. But I'm, I'm low tech. This is how I keep track of laps if I'm doing sets for swim meet preparation. Um, so literally for the first summer I was training for swimming, seriously getting back into the open water aspect, I would put six of my daughter's rubber bands, the hair ties on one wrist and, and I'd go across the beach and back, move the brightly colored one across the beach and back, move another. So I do six and then 12 and I could count that much. So I could kind of keep track of my mileage that way and ended up doing you know, the 5k in Hague, and I still did the, the Betsy Owens out in Lake Placid, which is like a big favorite. Um, and I got the nerve up to try the 10k in Hague in 2016. And that was uh, one of those beautiful days on the lake where you think, oh, it's pretty, oh, it's pretty, and I really should be picking up the pace here, and oh, it's pretty, oh, it's pretty, and, and it's a timed event, and I knew that, and I just totally blew it. Um, I got to the third lap and I'm like, uh Oh, I'm cutting it a little close here and I'm starving. And if I can just like, if I get to the turnaround with a minute or two to spare, I'm stopping at the cookie boat, getting a snack and then I'll be okay. 
and I just totally missed it. So I, I'm coming around the buoy and the guy's like in the kayak saying, I'm sorry, but you have to leave the course. I'm like totally crushed and devastated because it was just, it was like, if I had just paid attention, yeah. you know, <laughs> I could have done it. I was that close. So I had to, to leave the, the 10K and, and just gather myself together again with a good friend who was like, really, we'll do a selfie. It'll be great. We had fun. It's still a beautiful day. And, and, and she helped a lot. And I talked to um, David Dammerman, who had just swum the lake in its entirety and set the speed record at the time. And then how exciting. And, and I was like, okay, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I just got DQ'd here. And I think I'd like to swim the whole length of the lake. <laughs> because I felt fine and and the biggest memory I had of my first big swim back in Lake Champlain in 99 was I swam across eight miles and I looked back at New York State and I thought I'd much rather swim back than get in my car and drive yeah (laughs) you know and it would have been great and I may not be fast but I could keep going and so I really that day was was like okay I'm, I'm doing this lake you know, and no, I don't swim in the winter. I've got no pool. I've got nothing. I'm swimming that lake next year because I was turning 50 the following year. And I thought that was like my big impetus to do that lake. And um, yeah, pennies in the pool. <laughs> Good, Diane. Um, but uh, but I, I started the winter figuring that I was just going to spend Mondays that were not employment days. I'd get my daughter up to school and I'd go on walkabout through town. I'd go up and down Defiance a couple times, the little mountain nearby. Uh, and I would just spend the whole day on my feet walking. I figured if I could just keep moving on my feet that long, anything I can do on my feet, I can do swimming. And I spent mo- until December and December I had one day where it was a slop fest day and I didn't feel like dragging my boots out. And I went across the lake. I was sleeping better by this point. I went across the lake to Middlebury where there was a pool and I got myself a day pass and uh and swam a little bit and had a good time and I thought well this will be great I'll look for some pool swims some meets which I did for the first time ever master's meets in 2016 I did the first meet in like almost 30 years and and had a great time so if you're thinking about it try it it's fun um they were very nice and they were cookies um and what more do you need um, so my, my plan for the winter was that I would do a few swim pool meets and, and then I'd get these day passes once in a while and, and, you know, just keep my shoulders going and keep moving on land. And, and that was my winter training for swimming the lake. And by the time I got home that day, I had a call from the owner saying, we need a, we need a teacher on Monday to teach aqua aerobics. And I was like, okay, cool. So for one class a week, I would go over and then I'd spend the rest of the day swimming. And by the time I got into the lake that spring, I had logged about 400 miles in the pool. Wow. And, you know, because I would just go mostly on Mondays, sometimes Saturday mornings, I'd get up at like, oh, dark hundred and drive over so that I could be there when they opened and be home in time to have lunch with my daughter and have fun. And she would have pancakes with grandma for breakfast. and It was great. So, um, so, but again, I mean, the biggest challenge for a marathon swimmer is anybody crew <laughs> and I'm, I'm here and I'm a solo swimmer because there's just nobody else. I mean, I've got a group of triathlons. I, people I hang with and they want to swim their mile a couple times a week and they're happy. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I've had people willing to paddle for me 
And it's wonderful. And it's a big treat for me, but I don't always know when I can fit things into my schedule. I mean, I was swimming last night into the sunset and that was great. And I'll swim after dark and that's great. Um, and, and I have a, a good solid core of people who are willing to paddle once in a while, but to do the whole lake is a huge, huge imposition. And, you know, you can't rent a boat to do that because the marinas don't want you renting a boat and using it at night and, you know, all these other extraneous things. So it's like, I really lucked out. I, I didn't say too much. I didn't actively recruit until Easter. And at the pool, I had one set of, I had spring break when my daughter was away. And um, that week I did probably 30 miles in the pool because I went on, on Thursday and I did 10 and then on good Friday I did 15 and I just basically opened the pool and closed the pool. Um, and, and that was, and I thought, well, okay, if I can do 25 miles in two days, then they have to believe me that I can do this lake. (laughs) And so I started really bugging people and I found somebody with a boat who's like, I have a boat. Like, yeah, well, how long do you want to park your butt in it? (laughs) I'll help. And I ended up getting seven people willing to, you know, three people were on the boat and I had five team kayakers. My son was both. He was the only one. He was, there were three people who were on the boat the entire time I was swimming. And then I had a couple rotation of paddlers where they shuttled to and from Mm. because um, everybody was retired for the most part. I mean, I found, I literally, I was turning 50. My son, I dragged him up. He was in his twenties. He was the whippersnapper of the crowd. Everybody else had two in their sixties, two in their seventies, two in their fifties, you know. For a paddle. That's great. <laughs> it, it was great. And I, I gotta tell you, the, the first person who paddled the distance for me was a retired art teacher, Marsha. And Marsha's awesome. I, I paddled with her. I said, okay, well, I've been swimming all these miles. And, and if we could get to Hague, we can come back. So she found somebody with a pickup truck to load her kayak into. And we, we launched from Hague Beach one day in, in July that year and paddled north to Ticonderoga. <laughs> and, and it's like, it was about an eight mile trek. And she's like, oh, I've never been away from the shore before. <laughs> thinking okay it's a big lake there's room for everybody and I didn't have an idea of the configuration of the lake so I'm figuring Hague Rogers Rock tie done and then we get swimming along and she says I just heard a little rumble of thunder and we're going to shelter over by Anthony's nose and I'm thinking Anthony's nose is way across the lake why are we there how did we end up at Anthony's blasted nose? And of course it was the, the lake curves. So she was, she was taking a great course. She knew what she was doing. I was like, just swimming over. Okay. Somebody feed me. And, um, but she was fabulous. And she just was this poised person with beautiful makeup and a fabulous hat. And even her life jacket was cool. I mean, she's just like this, this phenomenal paddle princess. And, you know, the wind kicked up and then it blew away, but the wind stayed and we had white caps and we're just heading towards Ty. And, and at one point she got in front of me because the wind carried her more than it carried me. And I just saw this swell come up and there she went over the swell and I didn't see her again. (laughs) And I mean, I did see her again, but she was totally obscured by this swell. And I'm thinking, I need this person on my crew. (laughs) There's no two ways about it. And she was amazing. She was amazing to train at night. She was up for anything, bold as brass. And I, was, I really lucked out to have a few paddlers who were willing to try that. And, um, and that worked out. But seriously, crew, 
I would have done a lake again this year, but I can't find anybody, you know, because I'm, I'm just here. <laughs> and I had this idea that, okay, we've got COVID restrictions too. If I had four families <laughs> each with their isolation boats and they just, pay, and I, I loaded each one with a, a food supply thing that nobody touched, right. could do it. But, you know, the logistics are just, it's staggering. But, you know, I mean, I can do the miles, but having a crew for it, I don't know how people do it. And I don't know how people train for these things when they have actual full-time jobs. I'm really lucky that I have part-time jobs that flex around this. And, you know, my bread and butter job is the Methodist Church here in town. And for the past several summers on the bulletins in the summer, starting in the late spring, I'll put Wednesday morning. If the weather is good, I may be late to the office. <laughs> and then on Friday, if the weather is good, I may not show up at all during posted hours, but I'll get the bulletins printed in time. <laughs> and they're awesome. And they've been so supportive as far as, you know, my son used his iPhone as my tech for Lake George and went through at least six battery charges. He was running on fumes by the time I finished. And the GPS is the other thing. I mean, I need a crew, but I also need some kind of GPS tracker. And this is like George. I don't know how people do it. Um, and I have a track phone. It's not <laughs> And I'm not buying a smartphone just to swim the lake. It's just not something I'm going for. But, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful lake and it's right here. And it's, you know, a couple people asked me after I swam, like, well, how did you just jump into this distance? And I'm like, well, it was just there. I can go anytime I want. Mm. And over the past couple of years, I've branched out from the lanes area, the lined area of <laughs> yeah. the beach. And if I go when they're not actually open, I can leave the beach area and go down Black Point Road by myself or with my friends and occasionally with a kayaker and and just go and this summer's been really cool because i've gone as far as anthony's nose from the other side from from the north and that's about a four mile loop and it's gotten to be a, a really nice happy four mile loop for me because i go past rogers rock and i go i go about double and yes i use a swim buoy and i put a snack in it and at night i have a light in it it's really cool it looks like a floating pumpkin uh, <laughs> And I've been assured that I can be seen from a local airplane because yes, I've been buzzed by a local airplane. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I, I branched out, I branched out a lot to, to swim along the shore. And, you know, like last week I had one swim where I planned to go to where this one white tree glows in the dark a little bit. It's just, it's the Y tree. And, and somehow I missed it. And I just kept swimming. And I started realizing the lights didn't look familiar. The shape, the configuration of the houses looked a little bit different. I was like, well, okay, where am I? And I stopped. Oh, God. I overshot somehow, but I can't overshoot going back. So I don't worry about it. Because mm -hmm. when I go back, there's Taroga Point Peninsula sticking out. There's just no way I'm going to yeah. go off course far enough to miss it. And if I do, Mossy Point boat launches up there somewhere. As long as I keep shore on one shoulder, I'm good to go. Right. Um, yeah. It takes a lot to build that courage, though, to go out in the huge it, lake, I guess. When it I lived took in, a lot. Yeah. It took a lot of getting used to, but swimming in the moonlight, the water here, I'm very fortunate. The water clarity here is such that even without my toe float, which when I have a light in it, does cast a shadow. You know, I can see my legs moving on the bottom even at night. And um, I know, easily amused. But, uh, you know, even at night without that, light if there's even the, the hint of a moon i can see the sand 
Like last night, I could see the sand ripple and I knew I was back at the beach. Huh. I know swimming at night is the best. Um, but I can see the rocks and the weeds and stuff like that. And, and it's very, it's like daytime. So there's really, I, I don't feel any big concern. The only thing that I've run into at night that was even a little alarming was I reached my hand forward and I hit something that was not a familiar leaf or branch. <laughs> and it was, it had substance, you know, it like took a lot of my hand and it was solid. And is everyone getting mental images of what this could have been? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh God, half a dead fish, human poop. What could it be? What could it be? And I'm coming down toward where my light was and I'm twisting and contorting, trying not to touch it while I'm trying to see what it really is in case it's like still alive and going to get me. And I realized it was a waterlogged pine cone. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm okay. All I could think of was Caddyshack. You know, <laughs> when he's emptying the pool and picking up the Twix bar. And I'm like, I'm not eating the pine cone. But, you know, that, that, was, that was my main winter, well, not winter, my main nighttime alarm thing. So but for the most part, I, if I can see, even when my goggles fog over, if I can see the mountains on either side of me, I know where I am. Yeah. You know, and I stay close enough to make out the windows. And I know a lot of these houses now. I know the people's docks and, and I wave to them all the time and they're familiar with, they're used to me. I saw you swimming. Oh, so, okay, hi, how you doing? And they don't freak out anymore, which I think is a really good sign. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to get a lot of, you're out kind of far. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I saw you swimming last night. Back and forth, back and forth. So, you know, that's, that's been kind of interesting. Yeah. But as far, but night swimming, night swimming is awesome because you don't need sunscreen and the boats go away. Yeah. yeah so I true. feel a lot safer actually going off my beach at night than, than I do in a full day. So, um, do to do, I'm looking at questions. Yeah. We got to have cookies. You, as long as you've got cookies, you're okay. Um, whatever you are is cold here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh no Tell that was, that was the, um yeah when you finish a marathon swim like has it changed over the years so you started many uh, years ago and then now you've done this very big accomplishment with swimming across it, it was huge um I, I really would like to do it again i have to say when i when i finished lake george i was running on fumes um i learned a lot from that swim i had trained like i said i'd done up to 15 miles at a clip and felt very well prepared for that distance and let's face it, you only have to swim 32 miles for the first time once. And that was it. Um, we ran into some weather in Hague near Anthony's blasted nose. So I had to really swim hard through chop for a, a bit of time before it blew over all the time thinking, God, please don't let there be lightning now. I'm 18 hours in, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and it, it passed and it, we were fine, but I was, I was cold and I was exhausted and I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't understand how I would feel, but I was starving. Mm. I mean, I had been eating consistently. And, and at one point I can still hear my son as I'm coming through in the darkness. I had my son on one side of me in a pot in a kayak and my friend Jim in a canoe on the other side of me at, at one point, I don't even know where the boat was. They, they were still there, but I was flanked by kayakers and needed that. And I wanted them very close. And that was the big thing I learned at the end of the swim. I want those kayakers close. Normally be anywhere you want. I see you over there. He's having a great time. And my son who had prior to this about 45 minutes of, of kayak experience, <laughs> he was on the water during the squall. And it was like, has anyone ever seen your child suddenly grow up? 
<laughs> no, I haven't and he yet. Became <laughs> kayak man. And you could just, the posture changed and he just took charge. And he got bossy with me, my sassy little boy. So there I am with my eyes closing, falling asleep as I'm passing Roger's Rocks without even seeing it. And he's like, Mom, eat this. And he's handing me chunks of, of power bar cut up into dice sized pieces. And Jim on the other side had soup in a, in a water bottle. And they, he would just, he wouldn't even say anything. He'd just shove it at me once in a while. Like, okay. And I kept thinking to my son, I want to vomit. If I spit this thing out, he'll never know. But I ate it like a good little mommy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I went, by the time I finished that swim, I was just, my, my only thought was, are my toes clear of the water? Mm. <laughs> and, and are we finished? Because I still had to swim across the channel to get from Diane's Rock to my friend Joan's house. Mm. because my mother was going to be there and I was going to be able to get a ride home and Joan was going to let me take a shower. And, and there were at least 12 people there. And I thought, oh, 12 people waited up all night for me. This is so nice. <laughs> I had no idea that the entire lake from Hague North was lined with every single person in Ticonderoga. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. It was, it was, it was surreal. I mean, this is a football town. <laughs> this, this was, this was, this was really weird, <laughs> but, uh, but to finish that and to finish that there and to have the people there who were there, you know, family and friends and stuff. And even before I realized anybody else was out there, cause I just literally had no clue what, what had happened in my town here. <laughs> it's like, ah! it, it was, it was a, a lovely combination of, of relief and exhaustion. And I had jet lag for a week. <laughs> um, seriously could not sleep could not eat I would dream that I was still in the lake I would get ravenously hungry and a half a sandwich would be too much uh, it was just this, it was just this really weird combination of things I had no no idea to expect because you, how would you right uh, I don't know if anybody else has experienced that kind of jet lag after a 28 hour swim but uh, <laughs> you don't sleep that well. It's for sure. <laughs> I don't sleep well anyway. And, I, and my first, my, my last thoughts as I'm coming off the boat into the lake at the very beginning at nine o'clock night was I could use three hours of sleep and two bagels about now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it was great. And I really liked it. Um, and you know, I've, I've done others and, and it's, it's different than the, the more normal marathon swims, like the 10 K I managed to do two weeks later. Oh, nice. Well, I had, I knew being me, I knew that if I finished this thing that I would crawl under a rock if I, if, if I had no choice, but that Saturday, I finished Thursday morning at one o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, I did a two mile and a one mile in Lake Placid for the Betsy Owens swim just to move. And if you, if you have something big like this and it's not something you do all the time, I would always have something else planned within a week because I felt so whipped after that swim. Literally. I mean, there's video of me north of Hague that is just painful to watch. I'm just so slow. It's like $6 million man back in the seventies. And, and even though I wasn't fast at Lake Placid, I felt good. Mm. And that made all the difference. And when I got to Hague two weeks later to do that 10K, there I was back on the shore looking at a beautiful day after having been there during my swim 
when everything was falling apart and the weather stank and I was exhausted and cold and all I could see were goosebumps on my skin and it was bad. And I just felt wretched and to get back in the water and feel good and to finish that freaking 10 K with yeah. me just at four hours <laughs> was, was really, it was, it was as big a deal to me that summer as the big swim was. They, they both, they were both, a focal point for me all, all winter. And nobody, I don't know, maybe, maybe this group is the one group where somebody would understand that. But when I kept worrying about the 10 K looming over my head for those two weeks after my big swim, people are like, well, you've done the lake. You, you did 32 miles. What more do you need? And I'm like, I want that freaking 10 K. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, because it, to me, it's very different. I mean, the 32, I could go and go and go. And I, I just, I was going in a crawl by the end, but I knew I could finish. Mm -hmm. The 10K is timed. That's totally different. Right, yeah. So it, it, was, it was good to have something like that in my back pocket. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I had hoped to do this, the whole lake again the following summer, but again, you know, life happens. And uh, it was really, it worked out really exciting the next year because I tried to get into the Boston Light Swim which I had heard about back when I first started. And I thought, oh, that would be so cool. But I'm slow. And any swim with time limits is a swim that I really have to think about carefully because it's a big commitment. And to go and know that there's really no chance. Like when, when they did the event for Lake George that they tried to get off the ground the year before I'd swam. Mm -hmm. there was a 24 hour cutoff. And I'm like, I'm not doing this and getting to 24 hours and still feel like I've got steam. And I needed four more hours and have someone say, Oh, well, by the way, you're out of time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, not for something that big for, for the 10 K that was bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but when I, when I tried to get into Boston light, they booked. And then I just kept swimming in my lake thinking, well, maybe I can still pull together a team for a solo. So I'm still training and still thinking about that 10 K again to do that, which I survived again. And I got a call, uh, an email that the Boston light had somebody drop and I had a slot. Oh, wow. I'm like, Oh, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh crap. Now I have to go fast again. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh, this is right. And, and Lake George that summer was unseasonably warm. Mm. And I kept thinking, where was this heat last year? Um, you know, and, and, but it was, it worked for me. So for Boston light, I had spent a couple weekends during the summer going down to Rhode Island where I like to swim in the ocean, which is a little bit more brisk. And I thought, well, this is great. This will be wonderful. And uh, so the day before Boston light, I drove down to, to um, Rhode Island, spent the night camping, got up, spent some time swimming in the ocean. It felt great. Um, it was cooler than up here. And I thought, okay, I'm ready. I drove to Boston, stayed with friends, get boated out to, to the lighthouse in the rain, in the gloom, in the overcast. It was just a vicious rotten weather day for me. <laughs> no, my lake is right there on a bad enough day. I don't have to go. I can wait for the sunshine. Um, and, uh, and, and we had to get off, I had to get off that boat. And I don't jump in anyway. I'm one of these, okay, I'm gonna get wet a little bit at a time types. So I had to actually jump off the boat, which hard to do without getting wet. Um, <laughs> and when I hit that water, 
the person who was my observer put in his blog that I really screamed a lot. <laughs> and and I, I had trained in Lake George in, in 50s, early in the season, because I knew there are cold pockets, so I knew I had to be ready for cold water. So I was like, okay, I can do this. And I, I would do a couple miles at 58, 59, and then like was good again in the 60s and 70s. And uh, so I get in this, get off this boat in the rain, already chilled, because rain. And I'm in the water, I'm like, oh, holy crap, this is cold. <laughs> I was just engulfed, just totally engulfed by cold. And I had no idea what the temperature was. It was probably for the best. And I'm swimming along and I'm thinking, I'm not warming up. This is still cold. I'm not warming up. Oh, there goes an island. I'm not warming up. And I finally got to a place where I was less cold mm -hmm. and moving along. And at this point, I'm like, okay, falling back on the traditional swim marathon strategy for feeds. I had apple juice and in a water bottle on two water bottles on a jump rope. So that could be, you know, easily gotten to me and, and retrieved. And I said to the guy was, who was watching, I said, okay, here's the deal. You wave that bottle at me every 30 minutes. I'm, I could just feel the calories leaving my body oh. freezing in here. And he did. And it worked out. And after, a, and, and I love the open water because there are islands and there's cool stuff. And there are the boats and the people. And you don't get that in a pool. No, we sure don't. <laughs> you, you just, I just, I, the whole box thing, it just, it's, I'm not used to it anymore. I get a little bratty. <laughs> um, so I'm swimming along and I, I feel like, okay, the temperature has, has improved or I've done whatever it is. I'm okay now. And I was okay for a little while, still swigging the, the apple juice on a regular basis. And, um, and I, because of the gloom, I hadn't done the usual desidin. Mm -hmm. I'd done some desidin, but I hadn't done the slobbing on that I usually would do. So I had like major chafing in my armpits. Oh. Like, oh, fire, fire. <laughs> I can't swim like this. I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm thinking, I can't die. Somebody dropped out of this. Somebody wanted to do this and I got their slot and I cannot quit. This is not an option. She's like, desidin. And I had some in my bag and, and the guy got it out and, and I was, you know, trying to get it so that I could put it on me without getting it on my goggles. And that right. helped. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Who knew? Oh, I know it was bad. Um, but I was able to function again, which was really, really helpful. And then I swam into a cold pocket again. And I'm like, damn, it's a cold pocket. I'll get through it. And it stayed cold the whole rest of the swim. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just brutally freaking cold. <laughs> but I was so... I felt so solid on that swim. I mean, I was whiny and everything because I wasn't, I didn't feel ready for that temperature. I just, I just, it's sunny up here. Yeah. And, um, and Lake George has a reputation, but it wasn't living up to its reputation that summer. It was unseasonably warm. So I just, I hit this, this Boston swim. And I'm like, God, how do people do this and do this as a qualifying swim for hours and hours and, and, um, but I felt like I was able to really kick it in and move. And I, I stayed focused. That was probably the longest I've held a focus on a swim, solid kick, power arms, everything moving, everything technical. And I was just, I was just hauling freight across the harbor <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, I think the cold water kind of helps you pick up your speed because you know, you gotta, it, it can, you know, you it can. Which, I mean, and it's, it's odd that you said it because when I do ice swimming, yeah. which after this, I thought I better try something to get used to these cold waters. <laughs> when I start ice swimming, 
I'll get in again gradually. And the first quarter mile it takes me to get adapted in say 40s and low 50s. And, um, and I deliberately swim slowly at the beginning of a cold swim um, because it, that's the only way I can regulate my breathing and, and my function and everything and make sure everything's working and do that whole head to toe sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but Boston, that was just, that was a huge highlight for me to have been able to do it in the first place, to have finished it. And as, as fiercely competitive as I got for a flash now and then, as I was passing occasional people once in a while, <laughs> um, there was that guy from Ireland and we were neck and neck coming towards the finish. But I have a very good dear friend, Doris, who I met when she was in her eighties and I met her at senior swim and she was doing laps of butterfly. And so when I do a big swim, I always put fly in and I hadn't done it yet. So (laughs) I finished first, but I finished with butterfly. So I was really, (laughs) really happy. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Any, uh, we're, we're running out of time, but any other, I'm curious, um, uh, I guess how you, you know, kind of keep going in those tough times, especially having done, you know, really long distances, you've said you're not that fast of a swimmer, but you know, how do you kind of keep pushing through in really tough times? I, I like being in the water. I mean, when I was doing the long swim, it's funny because when I was training for it and training in a pool, um, I tried MP3 players and stuff. And I, I really don't do that because I need to hear my watch beep at the laps or I get really cranky. Um, so when I'm in a pool, I had to, I started listening to music a lot more so I could program things to have in my head, even if it's just the same verse over and over for a mile or something. So I just had to keep my head occupied in the pool. Hmm. And, uh, but I found that when I'm out in the open water, I don't need to rely on that. I mean, I got halfway through my Lake George room and I thought, I haven't been thinking about music. I'm just looking at the sky. I'm very easily amused by the passage of the sun through the sky, you know, watching it go behind the mountains, see the moon come up. These, these are things that I can, I mean, I can look at this stuff for hours and okay, well, I'm swimming here and the sun is high and I'm coming back. I'm swimming there and oh, it's right at the mountain surface. Okay. I'm on lap two. And then, oh, look, it's behind. And then, oh wait, it's full dark. Hours can go by like this. Um, so, so I can kind of go on autopilot a little bit and, and try to remember to kick up the pace a little bit because crew doesn't want to be there forever. <laughs> um, but let's face it, once you get past 24 hours, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's the big thing is just trying to, trying to keep my head together mm-hmm. and uh, keep, keep going that way. But for, normally... Um, even when I'm in the deeper water and I'm out in the middle of the lake where I really want to be anyway, mm-hmm. because why should boats have all the fun? Um, <laughs> you know, I can't see the bottom. It's a deep lake. If I'm on the edges, I can see turtles and fish and rocks and golf balls and the ripples of the sand. And I can get a lot of mileage out of that. Um, but uh, for, for the longer ones, it, it was tricky. You know, this, this summer was tricky. This summer I had a lot on my mind. And uh, the long distance in the, in the warmer water was, was a struggle. I had to really work at that. The cold swimming in, in February and March, as soon as I could get in anywhere, there was a place where I could push some ice sheets away and get in then. Mm-hmm. That really helped settle my head. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, anything that was on my mind that was disturbing or worrying, I could just put that aside and focus on, okay, this is cold water. I need to pay attention. I don't want to have a problem. I need to make sure if I have enough energy to get back to my car, 
Do my hands work enough to do zippers? You know, <laughs> these are the things that prioritize. Um, but once the water got warmer and I didn't have to do that head to toe check all the time and my mind wandered a little bit, it was, it was hard to, to train myself to not let my mind wander into dark corners and sad places. Mm. But, um, but it, it's, it's come along and I've, I've done as many as, you know, six miles at a clip, which doesn't sound like much compared to what I would like to be doing. Right. But, but you're by you yourself know. and I don't know, that's, that's <sighs> well, it's what I do. <laughs> I do. I like it though. I mean, and this is the one thing is if you can swim anything, you can swim this. If you have any interest. I mean, so many people after my big swim said, well, I could never do that. I can't do, um, uh, I can't do a mile. And I'm like, well, do you want to? Right. Um, and, and if they don't want to, then why bother? Um, but I did meet one person who was kind of intrigued and I was like, well, you know, you could still do this if you want to. Yes. And we did a relay the following year. Oh, and nice. he was, you know, we did a, a relay for polio. And Diane, you want to hear about the Bender Swim? The Bender Swim is awesome. It's another marathon swim down in Pennsylvania in a river. I've done it she once. I'd one. love to do it again. It's always just a matter of schedule and everything else going on this year. But that was a really cool swim with really great support. They teamed me up with one of the, the Bender guys. And uh, <laughs> I had a blast last year. The, anyone's in Pennsylvania this time of year, you go to that Bender Swim, and they are cool. Uh, <laughs> not in Boston. We'll get, we'll get Diane's story here in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. We oh, are, we, we oh, are out I'm of really, time. I'm so glad I did that. I really was. I did that last year back when my, my family difficulties first started, and that was one of my I'm running away from town things. I, I hit the ocean the previous weekend, and I did the Bender Swim pretty much cold turkey. I hadn't been in the water since the ocean and uh, talk about being just a, a basket case for, for <laughs> financial, for, for family crisis. I was like, I'm just leaving town. I'm just, I'm getting in my car and going. <laughs> and, and it was, it was a saving grace. So I was so glad that, that Diana turned me on to the Bender swim. It was, it's a really great swim. Even if it ends on the uphill, who does that? <laughs> yeah. You, know, you do a river swim, you're supposed to go against the current and cruise downhill back. Yeah. Come on, people. Really? It's a bender. <laughs> it really is. But it's it a fabulous swim. Really great people. Really, really great people. I wish I could have spent more time there. Uh, places to go. Yeah. Yeah. We got to, we got to have a bucket list. Come back and do it again, dear. Come back and do it again. I, I tried this year. I just couldn't quite swing it with quarantines and everything else. I had too many other things I had going on. Yeah. So I'll get there. We'll carpool right. next time. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story, Bridget. I oh, appreciate thank it. You. This is so exciting. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Lynn is our guest next week. Lynn Goldsmith. Oh, cool. <laughs> Thanks. See you next week. All right, you guys. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>